What's up, guys? I am Graham Coffee. That is John Smith. This is Dog Central Live on a Monday afternoon. Hope all of you guys are doing well. Hope it's a good start to the work week. We are here to talk a little UGA as always. Uh, NFL draft was this weekend. That's kind of the latest big news in the not just college football world, but total football world. Um, John, any initial takeaways from this weekend's NFL draft? Graham, I posted on Twitter that I'm no longer a Falcons fan. Um, I have entered the transfer portal. I saw that. Um, no, I don't. I was kind of joking. Uh, no, My mom I, read your Heinz Ward tweet out loud in our living room last night. I mean, so listen, the Falcons – listen, we this is not a Falcon show, so we won't go down uh, the Falcons road. Um I don't hate the picks that the Falcons made for the record. Uh, but um, yeah, the Falcons just, you know, they just, the evaluation is, is really interesting. So for me, I'll tell you at a high level, my, when it comes to the draft, I mean, you can grade value, but talk to me in two years and we'll tell you how good the draft picks were. I mean, these guys haven't played right. an NFL down and um, there've been plenty of examples of guys who, you know, everyone thought were going to be Vic Beasley. I'll keep on the Falcons thread, uh, but, there, but there, but there have been plenty of, of scenarios where everybody thought, you know, this, somebody was going to be the next, uh, the next big thing. And then, you know, you have guys like Aaron Rodgers who were picked late in the draft and going to end up being a hall of fame quarterback. So um, I think, you know, overall, this draft class, it was interesting because I do think the draft class ended up being stronger um, across the board for Georgia than maybe folks gave it credit for. You know, Georgia had 10 players drafted, which was the most uh, along with Alabama. That's 25 draft picks in the last two, which sets a modern day draft record for two drafts. And, um, and you know, when you look at where guys were taken, um, three first round draft picks um, is uh, it's pretty good. So, I think um, I think you know Georgia is in a a really good position uh, going forward. So, like to see it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that you're definitely right about that. Uh, thought it was interesting just to see. I mean, obviously the the whole NF uh, Philadelphia mm -hmm. Eagles thing yeah. was exciting. I think for a lot of people and. For a guy like Jalen Carter, after the last you know three or four months for him, I think you definitely get uh, some good support there. Yeah, and I, I think that's encouraging. Um, but really, I, I, I think what I walked away from the draft was was just there. The NFL sees a tremendous value in drafting Georgia players, and they see a value that they do not see in. Uh, you know, 99.9% .9 of other college football programs. Like there is a lot of emphasis being put on the Georgia guys. And I think the, you know, perhaps the, like we talk a lot about development. I mean, you know, one of the, one of the first pieces of media that I ever did that got any attention was a uh, phone call to a, uh, radio station in the upstate of South Carolina after the radio host uh, spent like a week straight of doing Kirby can't develop takes in the uh, 2021 spring. Mm -hmm. Like that was a narrative at one point in time, this time, two years ago, there was a conversation being had about why isn't Kirby smart turning all this talent into NFL draft picks into SEC championships, into national championships, into uh, individual accolades and awards and all American teams. And all of that has happened it, like, you know, a lot over the last two years. So it, it's interesting. And I think just as a Georgia fan observer, you are in this period right now where you've won back-to-back -back national titles and uh, it can be hard to remember that like it wasn't always this way that, you know, you, you haven't been mm -hmm. sitting on top the entire time or that there was questions and that, you know, Kirby smart as a hire was not really well received by the media when it happened. Mm -hmm. um, and so you, you look at what's happened and I think like for Georgia, 
the value that you're getting as a high school player is really unmatched in college football right now. Like, Mm -hmm. like their hit rate on turning five stars into draft selections is higher than the national average of 57%. It's 80%. Yeah. If you, if if Georgia is, if you're a three star and Georgia is chasing after you hard and you have a committable offer from them, then you're probably Mm -hmm. not a three star, you know, like the, the, the industry is probably screwed something up. Um, and so in a way that I think very few programs, if any have ever been in the modern recruiting era, Georgia's kind of like an evaluation bellwether. And I think Mm -hmm. that is the, the big takeaway for me. It's not just that, you know, Georgia's recruiting five stars and those guys are getting drafted because in and of itself, that's really not that big of a surprise. It Mm -hmm. is, I think, very fascinating just when you go back and look at all the recruits that Georgia could have been in on at a certain time in a certain class and where they focus their attention and just how right they almost always are in terms of who they want to bring in is kind of fascinating, honestly. Like there's nobody doing a better evaluation job on defense in college football. And I I would say, you know, if not for some – maybe kind of, you know, questionable quarterback Mm -hmm. evals earlier in the Kirby Smart era. I think Mm -hmm. you would say that across the board. That would be the only one position that you might, you know, say, I don't know, there's things you could go back and second guess in terms of who they targeted from a recruiting Mm -hmm. standpoint. But they also just got a guy who nobody wanted to give a scholarship to and turned him into a fourth-round NFL draft pick. So – it's yeah. pretty fascinating what they're doing. It's pretty like incredible. And we haven't yeah. really seen anything quite like it before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're spot on. And I think, um, I think what's, what's been interesting about Georgia with, with, um, with the way they've recruited and turned these draft picks is one of the things, you know, is Kirby smart um, has convinced guys to stay, right? Um, I mean, the yeah. 2021 class, uh, 2020 class, I guess, had a bunch of guys who could have gone out for the draft that ended up staying. And then you had, you know, last year you had a few guys who could have gone to the draft and ended up staying. And this year you've had a few guys who could have gone to the draft and ended up staying. And what's interesting with Georgia is, you know, with this development, um, I was reading, uh, I think it was Jake Rowe who tweeted that um, – Georgia that the only scholarship player that will be out of eligibility um, at the end of 2023 will be Tramel Walther. And so you've got like, it's crazy. So not only have you developed all these guys who have now been drafted and you said NFL draft records, but now you're in a place where you've got a team with a lot of eligibility left. So a lot of guys will go to the draft after this season, but you're going to have a lot of those guys that, you know, I think Kirby will convince to come back for another year and get developed more, um, improve their draft stock. Right. And that's the one thing that I think has been interesting is that Kirby smart has not only built a a program where he develops and where he, um, you know, puts a big emphasis on team and connection and all those things, but he's convincing a lot of these guys to, uh, to actually stick around the ones that, you know, are good players that maybe need, you know, another year under their belt um, before they're ready to, to really maximize on their draft stock. So I think that's what you're also seeing. That's what I think that's why you see, you know, eight players taken in the first round the last two years. And you see some of these Mm -hmm. guys, you know, really getting, not only getting drafted, but getting drafted in places where, um, it can really pay off for them uh, in the long term. Even Stetson Bennett, like Stetson Bennett is a great example where that guy was a fourth round draft pick. Like, I mean, <laughs> you know, there were people who said that Stetson Bennett uh, would not even uh, get drafted. And uh, and not only did he get drafted, but he got drafted in the fourth round, which which comes with a four and a half million dollar contract, which is right. Know, I mean, it's not, it's not first. The dude that everybody it, made it, Kia jokes it, about. Everybody signed a four and a half million dollar contract. Yeah, yes. Everybody made jokes about this man selling insurance and he just signed a four and a half million dollar contract with a, I think it's an $800,000 signing bonus. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I think that development, you know, those types of examples, not only development, but development that actually turns into real money in the draft um, Mm -hmm. is, has been really, really great to see. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think Robert Beal's another really yeah. excellent example of this, like signed in the class of 2017, uh, over four years as a Georgia Bulldog uh, from, from 2017 through 2020, the guy played less than 200 total snaps. That includes special team yeah. reps. Yeah. Like that's not a lot of football. Did not play yeah. much football at all. Yeah. Uh, it was in the portal in 2019. Right. Mm -hmm. Like looked around. I don't know if there wasn't, you know, offers that he was interested in or what, but for whatever reason, he came back and he's a guy that was a top 100 overall player in the country. Uh, You know, top 10 player in the state of Georgia, top 10 edge in the entire class of 2017. And he waited for four years. And then in 2021, he starts to see some snaps. And then all of a sudden, you know, probably the best defense in, you know, modern college football history, he's the guy that ends up leading it in sacks with six and a half. And mm-hmm. he still was kind of the, you know, he was Nolan Smith's backup at Jack last year. But I remember going back to spring practice of mm-hmm. 2022 and, you know, Chidera Uzo Deribe had just been hired mm-hmm. as the edge coach and people saying like, yeah, he talks about, you know, Nolan Smith and Robert Beal are kind of like they're just they're basically coaches on the field and they make his life so much easier because they know things about the defense that he hasn't even fully grasped yet in terms of just coming on board and certain ways that Georgia wants these guys to play things. So, I mean, he brought a tremendous value to Georgia by sticking Mm -hmm. around and and by, you know, drilling the same defense for six years. Mm -hmm. But in the end of all that, you're talking about a guy who basically didn't play any football for his four, first four years of college, and he ends up yep. getting drafted. Like, that's, and not that's only, kind of incredible. Not only that, but he's playing with – so his competition is Cleveland Farrell and Austin Bryant, who each signed a one-year deal with the 49ers. Uh-huh. He signed a, a four-year, $4 million contract. Um, and uh, and what I loved about Beal, um, about his story, I think a lot of people missed it, is that John Lynch, who's the general manager of the 49ers – said that Kirby Smart, you know, so so what he said, they, you know, all these GMs get up and talk about their draft picks. He got up and talked about Robert Beal. And he said, Beal's a really, really gifted athlete. And he said, you know, you rely a lot on relationships in this thing. And Kirby Smart's been good to us. He said he's got a lot of players. Uh, Kirby said, uh, Kirby told us someone's going to get a really gifted and talented player if they just let Robert Beal go hunt quarterbacks and set edges. And when he said that, that's exactly what we do here in San Francisco. And so that's what John Lynch said about Robert Beal, right? And so you you hear that, right? It's like Kirby Smart, that's what happened. Robert Beal comes in, he, you know, doesn't see the field a lot, and then he gets later in his career, and Kirby Smart says, oh, well, we're just going to let this guy go hunt a quarterback and set edges. Like, we're not going to ask him to do anything complex. We're just going to let the guy just go be go play ball and be an athlete. And, uh, and now again, you know, that's, that's paid off. Um, and you know, Robert Beal, uh, nine and a half sacks over the last two seasons, um, at Georgia. And so, um, you know, I think, uh, I think he's, I think he's in a really good spot, not only with the contract that he landed, the organization he landed with, but also, uh, but also the, the approach, right. With John Lynch just saying, yeah, we're just going to let him set the edge and hunt the quarterback. And, um, yeah. We know he knows how to what, do that. Yeah, and that's what I love about development, right? When you see that kind of thing with with Georgia is that these players, some of them come in and it takes a little while to figure out, well, what kind of player are they actually going to be? You know, they're they're competing with some very gifted guys. And um, and the the biggest piece of Kirby's development, I think, as a head coach over the last you know, probably four years specifically has been he's gotten so good at understanding his personnel and being able to rotate guys in and just let guys do what they do best. Right. And not be in a situation where you're trying to force a player um, to do things that they're just not necessarily gifted at. And part of that is recruiting. Like he has enough depth at Georgia where he can rotate that front seven and just let guys do what they do best. And um, but I also think, you know, for me, I think the Georgia coaches always have 
the next level in mind. They understand what that means for the program. They understand that what that means for recruiting. They understand what that means for these players. And so um, I think that's a big part of the maturation of Kirby Smart as a head coach is he's just been able to, you know, take a step back and be like, all right, yeah, I'm not going to not going to force these guys to play, you know, in positions that maybe they're not ready to play in. I'm not going to force these guys to do those types of things. And so I think that's been really uh, a really great development for him as a head coach. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, Robert Beal uh, not talked a lot about in the lead up to this NFL draft and maybe even not really talked about that much. Thank you, Craig. Uh, it's, Bob, it's Bobby Beal. Craig wants Bobby everyone Beale. to know. Bobby Beefy yeah. Beal. Um, <laughs> in the lead up, I mean, like even during the season last year, you know, I, yeah. I think just a steady guy that maybe was underappreciated. But you go back and look, like I – after him and Nolan Smith performed at the combine, I was curious, like how many edge guys, true edge players have run a sub four, five, five in the last, uh, since, since 2015 at the NFL combine, there's only been 20 edge guys to go sub four, five, five, and two of them are Robert Beal and Nolan Smith. So like, to yeah. your point, you're talking about a really good athlete. Uh, he is that there's no question there. And, um, Nolan Smith had the highest run defense grade in a season by any edge player who has ever yeah. gone under yeah. uh, four five five. Yeah, the- I mean, yeah, I mean Robert Beale, Robert Beale running four five five at six four two fifty. I mean four four eight went yeah four four eight yeah. It's wild, crazy. Wild. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts from the draft or got you know that that situations that stood out to you that you know anybody you thought landed in a, a good spot where they're going to make an impact early or i mean it's just it's you know i i think um broderick jones i think is obviously in a good spot i think the the steelers are a fantastic organization um i think broderick jones is going to play early uh, and often um i am interested to see you know, Nolan Smith in a first round draft pick, I think is, is, I think it's well deserved. I'm interested to see what he does in that Eagles defense um, mm-hmm. and what impact he can make early on. Um, but yeah, you know, I think from, from the overall NFL draft, I mean, you may have some takeaways and some thoughts for me. Um, I'm just always hesitant. And I get, I, again, I think it's cause I'm a Falcons fan. I'm just always hesitant to be like, Oh, this guy is going to be good. Or this is a good, sure. value, you know, uh, but I, I will say um, I think the I think the Panthers made a great pick with Bryce Young. I think the Texans made a great pick with C.J. Stroud. I think people there was all that speculation around test scores and all those things. And I think at the end of the day, um, it was nice to see between C.J. Stroud between the Eagles taking Jalen Carter with the ninth pick. I think a lot of these kind of uh, narratives coming into the draft, it was nice to see some organizations with conviction. They were right. just like, we, yeah, we, we see the tape, right? Uh, the Texans taking CJ Stroud and then trading up to number three to get Will Anderson. It's like, come on, you know, that's a, uh, uh, that, you know, I think at the end of the day, it, it was nice to see folks, GMs and front offices have conviction around uh, around some of the players and not let, you know, what we saw last year, I think, you know, where you had like N'Kobe Dean falling because of medical concerns or whatever you saw, you know, a lot of those things that were happening, you saw that a little bit with Darnell Washington um, and Keely Ringo this year, right? right. Where, it was, you know, people were saying, well, the, the, you know, um, uh, Darnell Washington is, is, is foot, you know, situation or whatever. Um, it was nice to see a few organizations are like, yeah, bump those narratives, man. Like we're going to have conviction and we're going to go out and get guys in uh, that we think can help our organization. The one obvious uh, head scratcher um, is Anthony Richardson. I mean, what, you know, the fourth pick overall of the draft. Um, I don't Perfect get segue. it. I don't get it. I've tried to get it. And this Do is not. not- I'm gonna take. Listen, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take my Georgia bias off because I sure. am biased as a Georgia fan. Uh, but you take that off and you look at a guy who's you know the amount of snaps that he played in college and the performance that correlated to those snaps. Um, to take somebody as the fourth overall pick, um, 
which is as a quarterback, you're expecting that guy to play in 2023. Like you're expecting that guy. To That's contribute. a bad idea. That's yeah. a very bad idea. And, yeah, for him. And I think at the end of the day, I think like Anthony Richardson, I think could get developed. We saw, you know, Josh Allen is the example that everybody uses, right? Josh Allen, 52% completion at Wyoming, came into the league in Buffalo, I think his first year, his second year, he was 52% completion. Right. Uh, and then he was like 54%. And then all of a sudden he like figured it out. And that's that's absolutely possible with Anthony Richardson. What I don't see, though, is I don't see – I think the difference between Anthony Richardson and Josh Allen is – and I, and I'll say it this way because it's the only way I know to say it. It was clear when you watched Josh Allen at Wyoming that Josh Allen was a football player. Like that guy was like – he was a gunslinger. He was like, right. man, I am, I am out here to – you know, I'm not – I may not win, may not complete all these passes, but I am, I am out here to compete and to play football. And Anthony Richardson, I don't think I've seen that from him in his time at Florida. I have not seen that mentality of like, I'm, you know, I may not be the most accurate quarterback out here, but I'm coming after you to actually try to win this game um, by any means possible. And I think, you know, you saw it in the Utah game maybe last year was probably the only time where there was these flashes of like, oh, yeah, this guy, you know, is actually out here to compete. And you know, I saw I, I saw it. I saw it against Georgia. I saw it against, you know, multiple teams where the guy just was pretty easy to get. It just felt like pretty easy to get rattled and get off his game. And then then all bets are off. And so I think that's the difference between those two for me. And, and I just don't get that pick at all. So that's I mean, I, I don't disagree with anything that mm. you just said. I'll be straight yeah. up with that. I mean, I. The argument that I will make on Richardson's behalf is that if if everything hits with him, which I believe is a long shot, but if everything works out, yep. his ceiling is higher than any quarterback that we've seen in a long time, like in a really is long that, time. Just, is that just, just, just the athleticism in the arm? Is that why the ceiling is high? I mean, the tools, like the, yeah, okay. the speed, cool. that, that's the arm. Fair. That, yeah, yeah. That's like fair. All yeah, of that, that's fair. you know. That's like, fair we could see him, you know, he's not just fast. I mean, like he runs like a running back, you know, like that run he had against LSU last year, where yeah. I think he ran for 70 yards and broke four yeah. tackles in the open field. Like he does have some of that, like special in him. Also NFL secondaries tend to tackle better than LSU's, but yeah. Um, yeah. I think I'll put it this way. Um, when you and I were deepen the uh, mm -hmm. throws of doing our Tennessee preview. And, mm -hmm. you know, both of us were watching a lot of Tennessee film from the season mm -hmm. and going down the wormhole of that. Like yeah. I had this moment where I went back and watched the Tennessee Florida game. Yeah. And I realized that, you know, Hendon hooker was a product of the system that he was in and that Anthony Richardson like it, you go back and watch that game and it's like, he does make some plays in that game where you're like, wow, you know, like that yeah. was kind of a special moment. There was, it, it was not consistent, but uh, right. the Georgia Florida game, that throw that he made over uh, Ringo into like huh. very tight yeah. coverage, you know, like yeah. he, he made that throw and I was, you know, I went back and I was like, that's a throw that Hendon Hooker could never make in his yeah. life. Um, so he does some things like that, that where like, I get the, that it's tantalizing. I think though, that he does like, he needs to be a guy that you're not planning on playing for three years, right? Yeah. Like you've got to teach him the football language. And I, I think the other thing that scares me with him a lot yeah. and also scares me a lot for, well, you know, if I was a Florida fan, it would scare me a lot for my 2023 season is that, Florida quietly had one of the best offensive lines in the SEC last year. Uh, it's not like he didn't have good pass protection. His receiving mm -hmm. talent was not very good. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, his his adjusted completion percentage was 64% versus the 53% that mm -hmm. shows up on paper. So, I mean, he did have a lot of drops and plays where his pass catchers didn't help him. But uh, his his offensive line was good. 
and he wasn't mm-hmm. under duress a lot. And still, you know, the, the numbers weren't great. 17 touchdowns, nine interceptions, 53% completion. Uh, that, that would concern me a little bit. And I think that if you're going to play him at quarterback in the NFL, then you sure as hell better make sure Who? that those legs – Anthony Richardson. Yeah. I think no, no, you, no. Better, you better make sure those legs are part yeah. of the game plan all the time. Don't try yeah, to turn I, him into you know a, a regular quarterback. Yeah, I mean, the team that drafted him, though, fourth overall, has Gardner Minshew, Sam Ellinger, and an injured Nick Foles in their quarterback room. So, so they are they're expecting. I mean, maybe maybe they're expecting Gardner Minshew and the mustache to like the mustache magic this year, but they got to be expecting this guy to play. And uh, and I agree with all your points. I think he definitely has the tools. I just don't see. I don't see fourth overall. I mean, I guess you know. I guess if you, if you have that conviction that you're like, hey, this is we need a quarterback. We're willing to take a risk on this guy. Um, then that then that's fine. Um, and I do think like who else would you pick right at that at that fourth overall if you needed a quarterback with Bryce Young and CJ Stroud gone? Like I would take him over Will Levis. Yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. You I would know, take him over I mean, Will Levis. And, I would take him over Will Levis and Hendon Hooker. Um, you yeah. know, um, but uh, but I do, yeah. But I do think you know. At the but end it's of the day, it's a yeah. gamble. It's it's a big time. You know, you're rolling the dice, and if it hits if it hits seven or eleven, then you're gonna look like a genius, but. Uh, you know, there's a what like a eighty percent chance or eighty five percent chance that it's going to hit any of the other ten numbers yeah. on those dice. So, I, I think with Richardson, the thing that I really feel the most strongly about is what you said of playing him early is not what you want to do. That's just the thing and for me, and he, he needs confidence. Yeah. He's not very confident. He does you can see him sort of fall apart and unravel when a bad play happens and throwing him out there on a bad, uh, yeah, on a bad Colts team and asking him to figure it out is a great way to kind of break him. So I hope that they don't do that, but we'll see what happens. Awesome. All right. So we do have some questions from um, the dog central subscribers forum. Uh, Jimmy Guthrie asked, could Dominic Blaylock return to the team or is he done with football? Um, so the best answer I can give is that I'm not entirely sure. Uh, there has been some, some, some rumors or speculation by people. I know that, that he may just be done with football. Uh, there has also been some like thought of, Hey, maybe he'll come back, you know, um, he's around or whatever. Uh, I don't even know what Georgia's scholarship situation right now, even if he did want to come uh, as far as the 85, because I think that they're still over the 85 limit at this very moment in time. Um, so long story short is I, I don't know anything uh, <laughs> super, yeah, super insightful there. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Um, I think, uh, I think, um, yeah, I I hope I would nothing more than to see Dominic Blaylock find a home where he can play meaningful snaps and have um, a good next step in his football career, whatever that looks like for him. But uh, but yeah, I have no idea if that's if it's a possibility of Georgia or if he uh, is moving on to somewhere else or hanging it up altogether. Could be any for sure. Um, mm-hmm. So this one is interesting. This is fast forward to the 2026 NFL draft and rank the quarterback class. So we're talking about 2022 and 2023 mm-hmm. uh, quarterback recruits. Um, yeah. And it always, it's, you know, everything on this show right now in the off season seems to be, uh, you know, the, the nine circles of, Dylan Riola, right? Um, but yeah, I I don't. Do you have any strong takes on that at this moment? Is this recruiting or is this? I'm I'm sorry, I missed the question. If it was recruiting or if it was draft, 
said fast forward to the 2026 NFL draft and rank. Oh, the 2026 NFL draft. All right. So, so you'd be talking about guys gosh, that were freshmen um, in college this past season. So yeah. So your Wegmans or your Cade Clubnicks or those guys, or you'd be talking about 2023 quarterback. Recruiters. Yeah. So it's going to be, yeah, that's man. That's a tough one. Um, I think uh, I, yeah, I need to pull up a list. Um, I need to pull up a list here. All right, so let's see. Um, I think Nico. Um, mm, that's a good one. N- I think Nico uh, Iamaliva from Tennessee uh, will be one of the top QBs uh, in that class. I think Malachi Nelson will be one of the top QBs in that draft. Um, I think Dylan. Well, would Dylan Rayola be? 2026, he wouldn't be eligible. He wouldn't be eligible yet. So it's basically going to be 2022 and 2023. Let's just keep it at that. 2022, 2023. Um, Yeah, I think if you're looking from my perspective, yeah, I think it's going to have to be – that 2022 class is not – it's just not super strong. From a it's not standpoint. no i think i mean if i'm ranking them i'll just do the top my top three i would say nico um probably malachi nelson mm-hmm. uh and then um gosh it's the the next one is hard because it's like do you go I think that kid that uh, – who was the kid that went to Washington? I think it's going to be really good. Um, let me find his name. Austin yeah, Austin Mack. Mack. Yeah, that kid is like 6'6". Six, six. Um, I think that kid's going to be really good. So, for my money, you know, Nico, Malachi Nelson, Austin Mack would be one, two, three. And that's, like a, that's just, you know, pulling it right off. I think, you know, Jackson Arnold – it's gonna be an absolute gonna, baller. Yeah, I'll let you. I'll let you go because I know. I know you're gonna put him in there. Yeah, I'll let you go because I think. Uh, no, you're good. Um, and I will say, I, let me let me just say, I do think sleeper. Uh, real quick, uh, I, after I just gave you my top three, I good. do think a sleeper from the 2022 class. Um, I I do think um, uh, the um, gosh, who's the kid? Um. I, I brought it up and then now I can't find them. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I'll have to find them again. You're anyway, good. I'll let you talk now. You come back to it if you want. Um, yeah. All right. So, mine, I, I'm going to go right now based off of just like what I've actually seen these dudes <laughs> do with my own eyes, yeah. whether that's in spring game or what. So, yeah. right now, my number one guy. Mm-hmm. Malik Murphy, Texas backup quarterback. Mm. I would give okay. him, I, I really, That's really like his game a lot. Uh, I think he's a good player, and I think it's gonna. I think him and Arch Manning is gonna be the one of the most dramatic stories in college football this time next year because I think mm-hmm. he's gonna be too good not to play and. Mm-hmm. that's going to create some interesting decisions for everybody involved. Um, yeah. And then after him, uh, I really, I, th- I feel like Nico is Anthony Richardson on steroids, dude. I think that yeah. like, like from that toolsy kind of guy, I mean, freaking six, seven big dude. Mm-hmm. I, I think he is going to be a guy that, whether he's really good or not, I think that scouts are going to salivate over him and the potential. And the NFL draft is an event based on potential, as we know. So I'm mm-hmm. going to put him number two. And then the the third spot, um, I really do like Jackson Arnold based off of his high school tape. Uh, I would be torn between, you know, I I would put as far as three, four, five, it would be some mixture of, of Arnold Malachi Nelson, who you already mentioned. 
and then um, the 2022 kid that I like. I'm sorry, let me. Uh, <laughs> Omar, the Penn State kid. I yeah, he's got a big yeah, arm, that's, yeah, that kid's yeah, that kid's kid's got a huge arm. It's a good, good one. Did you figure out who awesome. you were thinking about? Uh, yeah, I was thinking about um, I was thinking about uh, Drew Alar too. You yeah, you mentioned it. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't remember the the for some reason. I anyway, I'll stop talking so I don't sound stupid for our listeners. Um, <laughs> You're I couldn't remember the school we went to. No, yeah. no worries. Um, no. So this is a, a very open ended question uh, from Hunter. It says. Uh, what are three hot takes that you have for the upcoming season? Um, to, to make this more fun, I will – it's up to you. You can give three Georgia hot takes if you want, but I will say you have to give at least one UGA-related hot take, and then uh, your other two can be Georgia-related if you want, or they can be about any okay. other college football program. Okay. So – if you want to go first, I'll we can trade hot take for hot take here. Um, yeah, so I'll I'll give you give you one hot take. Um, uh, I think I don't think Georgia plays a game that's within one score all season. Wow, in the regular season, twelve games. Okay. I don't think they play a game that ends within one score. I think Georgia wins by double digits. Double digits wins by two scores. So it could be, you know, nine. But I think Georgia wins by two scores um, every game this year. Okay. They win by two <laughs> scores every game this year. I, I don't, yep. I, I, I'm fine with that. I can see that happening very easily. A- <laughs> uh, that doesn't seem crazy to me. Uh, okay. All right. I think – all right, so this time last year, I pegged Stetson Bennett as a Heisman finalist, and that was just based off the logic of Georgia is going to likely go undefeated again. And, you know, they're going to be in line for a potential back-to-back championship, and they got to send somebody mm-hmm. to New York, right? So the question that I'm asking myself now is – who is Georgia's Heisman finalist going to be this year, right? I think that Carson Beck could have a very good year. I think that Carson Beck could, if everything goes well, talking about a guy with a lot of tools, that seems to be a theme of the show right now. Mm-hmm. Like he is a guy that has a lot of tools. And if he puts all those tools together and puts together a nice, uh, you know, 13 to 15 game season of tape, he could very well be a high selection, a first or second round selection in next year's NFL draft. But uh, I'm going to say that Brock Bowers is a Heisman finalist next year, almost as just a career achievement type award. Mm. Because, dude, it's hard hard to do as a tight end. It is, but people love Brock Bowers. He's a guy. He's the highest profile player on the team right now, mm-hmm. and he's a guy that college football media has been in love with since his freshman season. So I, yeah. I, I, you know, the Heisman used to be kind of like a career achievement award, like when Ron Dane mm-hmm. won the Heisman and stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that maybe just as kind of a, you know, an attaboy, he'll get a, an invite to New York. I don't think he wins the Heisman, but I mean, Roquan Smith finished in the top 10 in Heisman voting as a linebacker. Yeah. So, as yeah. Maybe he can be like a top five in the Heisman voting. Yeah, I like that. Um, my second uh, hot take is um, oh, I'm, t- I'm tempted. I'm tempted. Um, I think I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Let's do it. Then go ahead and say it. My second hot take is um, Alabama could potentially finish third in the SEC West. Um, I'm listening. Yeah, so I think Alabama went out and um, got Tyler Buckner from the portal, which tells me a couple things. And Tyler Buckner was in the portal for about five minutes before he committed to Alabama, which tells me a couple things. It tells me Tommy Reese has looked at that quarterback room and has said the answer 
uh, is not here. Uh, I feel like that's 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 what one thing that it says. The second thing that I think it says is that Tommy Reese um, is planning on running some semblance of his Notre Dame offense at Alabama um, because he went out and got a guy who, you know, was connected to him. Right. Um, connected to him and his offense. And um, I think that stability, inst- instability is really going to hurt Alabama. They're a very talented team. Uh, but I think you look at that and you look at, you know, what's happening at LSU. I think LSU, uh, I don't know if they've landed him or there's it's just rumors that they're going to get him. But I think LSU is going to get Keon Coleman, a wide receiver mm-hmm. from Michigan State. Um, I think LSU has a lot of folks re- returning. So LSU kind of in the driver's seat there. Um, and I think Alabama, you know, when you look at the way that Texas A&M has played them the last couple of years, you look at, uh, you know, I think you're going to have an Ole Miss team that's going to be likely uh, somewhat improved. I think you're going to have, you know, um, some teams, Tennessee, that, you know, if if Joe Milton can play quarterback, we'll see what happens. But I think there's enough potential losses on this Alabama team that it could be their first uh, three-loss season under Saban since oh. his first season, I guess. Maybe there's no there was two. There was two. He had two two three loss seasons his first year and then I think his third third or fourth year. Okay. Um I I could see it. Now the do those three losses come in the regular season or is it two losses in the regular season then you know they lose a bowl game or whatever. But man, I'm not buying I'm not buying Alabama right now. And um uh I think you know, Kevin Steele and Tommy Reese are, are two big reasons why. I think Kevin Steele is probably more stable than uh, than Tommy Reese uh, in terms of what's happening in that quarterback room and what seems to be happening at the skill position when you watch those wide receivers in the spring game. Uh, man, I just think if, if that defense isn't, isn't solid, I think Alabama is going to have some situations where um, they're going to have trouble outscoring a couple teams. So – that's my uh, – I, I I didn't want to go there because people were going to accuse me of being a, a Bama hater, uh, but I am really objectively looking down the barrel of that team's depth and looking at the coaches that are in those seats right now. Uh, it's it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough for them. So that's my second hot take. That's a very good hot take. Um, I mean, I – like – just from an analysis football standpoint, like everything you're saying, I agree with, and it makes sense. It yeah. does. Um, there is still always that element of like, am I going to be the fool to count out Nick Saban? Right. Like, I, you know, am I going to be that asshole that says like, Oh, the dynasty's dead or whatever. And then, you know, they go and win a national championship. I, I would be stunned stunned if they won a national championship this year um and not to say i haven't been stunned before stranger things have happened in life i mean shit the government's acknowledged the existence of flying aircraft that they can't identify so i mean we're in weird times here but hey yeah no i mean i I, uh listen here's the hot so so you know double down on this i will double down on this all good things come to an end. Right. Right. And I mean, Sam has played for the college football national championship six out of the last eight seasons. I tweeted it earlier today. So you can't count them out. But when you look at what's happening in the SEC, you look at the parity that's been created. And then you look at you look at these situations where it's like you're not in a place where what Texas was doing to Alabama last year when Alabama went 20 and 19 was nothing special. What Texas A&M was doing Alabama when they took a goal line stand at the end of the game to in Tuscaloosa, or maybe that was was it in it was in Tuscaloosa last year in Tuscaloosa, Tuscaloosa, yeah, to hold on for that win. What happened with you know um, LSU, like where you're in, you know, you're in these environments. Alabama had these games last year that um, there was no reason. I mean, that team last year, you had Bryce Young as your quarterback. You had good receivers. Some of the some of those right. receivers are the same receivers that are back this year. You had, 
a very uh, experienced tight end. You had an offensive line that did have its challenges, but these weren't scrubs that they were pulling off the street to play offensive line. I mean, you had, you know, all of that, and then you were still trying to squeak out these wins. And for all, you know, the good things that Alabama defense did last year, you still had to have a goal line stand to beat Texas A&M. You still had to, like, figure out some way to hold Texas, you know, to 19 points to win that game. Um and you only won it 20 to 19. So I think, you know, I'm not saying the dynasty is dead. Um, I would not say that with Nick Saban. Sure. But you can't – You no one will convince me that Tommy Reese and Kevin Steele were the two best coordinators that he could hire while also convincing me that this is Nick Saban's revenge tour. Like you can't – like, That's <laughs> like you're, going on, you're going on your revenge tour with Tommy Reese and Kevin Steele. Um, and so when I look at that, I'm like, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, there was a time where Tommy Reese and Kevin Steele. Yeah, that's, you're going on a revenge tour with Tommy Reese and Kevin Steele. That's it, an all time quote. By you yeah, right I mean, if Nick Saban, if Nick Saban had gone and, <laughs> and plundered, yeah, if he had gone and plundered like Glenn Schumann and like you know whatever. If Dan like, Mullen been, came back to be his OC. Dude, if Dan Mullen was his offensive coordinator, I'd be like, all right, Nick Saban is serious. Like this He's guy. Yeah, he's going out and getting the best available for that particular position because he wants to win. But when you go and get Tommy Reese and Kevin Steele, I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, So, again, I'll never say that the dynasty is over uh, because they'll, they'll, you know, they'll clip that for for Twitter and I'll never hear the end of it. But what I will say is from a hot take perspective, man, you can't convince me that that's who you're going to war with and expect me to also say – you better look out for Alabama. You just can't do it. So life isn't fair, right? Um, so because because my hot take, my second, my, my hot take yeah. was going to be Bama related. You you sort of yeah. stole my thunder there. Sorry, you, you sorry. Did, no, 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 no. Don't be sorry. You you that was so eloquently <laughs> and well thought out. It was very well put. Uh, I, you know, you, you no. did it. You did it more than enough justice. Um, but I'll piggyback off of it, and I will say that uh, this is, you know, just just bold. I'm being a hot take. Yeah. This is a hot take segment. So mm-hmm. if you clip this and put it on Twitter, then you know, mm-hmm. you know, like screw you. Uh, not you, <laughs> but you, the viewer, <laughs> watching this. No, I'm going to be the one that puts it on. Tw- no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I, I think Nick Saban is going to be on the hot seat. Uh, yeah. This time next year, I think. Yeah. I think like there's going to be this kind of faction within the fan base that's like oh you know this this whole thing is starting to fall apart off the rails a little bit and then there's going to be this faction that's like he's earned the right to go whenever he wants to which i would probably agree with that faction um Mm -hmm. and i think that we might get like a we might get like a coach and waiting type situation at alabama or like a you know like a a, a name of, Hey, like I'm going to retire, you know, after this coming season or in two years or whatever. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think that their team just like, I, I don't think their defense is going to be bad. I, yeah. I don't think it's going to be elite. I don't think it's going to be like a Georgia defense. Um, but dude, if that offensive line can't run block, they're going to be in a world of trouble. Because that's, you know, I mean, I think Justice Haynes is a, a dude. I think he's a good running back. I think they can ride him and win some games. But the question is just like, is that offensive line really capable of controlling a football game? Because you you look at Alabama's roster and you, you look at the guys they just had drafted. I think they had seven draft picks in the first three rounds, if I'm not mistaken. And – all those guys are, you know, defenders or skill players, right? Like there, there's not defensive linemen being drafted. There's not offensive linemen being drafted, except for the kid that transferred from Vanderbilt before last season. And I think that is where Kirby Smart has not just like passed Alabama, but lapped Alabama is there's 10 dudes in the offensive line room that they're comfortable playing in a football game. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. – Friggin' 14 in the defensive line room that they're comfortable playing in a football game, and they yeah. will play in a football game. Um, and Alabama doesn't have that anymore. And that dominance on the line of scrimmage is what 
sucks doubt out of football games and removes the fluky, chancy stuff. Listen, you, like, not to interrupt you, but you had oh, last season, just to, just to get on this point with Nick Saban on the hot seat, you had last season, you had Nick Saban in two occasions. One occasion where he was talking about uh, we used to have, you know, these hateful, spiteful guys around here on defense that plan, you know, going and playing on the road like meant something. And, you know, so yeah. you got him saying stuff like that that he's used before to challenge his team. And then you've also had him recently in the last couple of years challenging his fans, saying, you know, around here now, you know, winning isn't good enough anymore. Like, you know, it used to be, you know, you just wanted to win the game and winning the game was good enough and not, you know. His language, whether it is, you know, challenging the fans or challenging his own team, has changed significantly in the last couple of years, right? Mm -hmm. And I think what you're seeing is, like, when you have to go and get a starting tackle from Vanderbilt and you're Alabama, and, not, you know, no offense to, like, Steen and, you know, he's a good player and all that stuff, but, like, when 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 those are the things that you're doing, um, you're going to get, you know <laughs> – uh, offensive lineman from Vanderbilt uh, because you need you know you need depth and you and the guy ends up starting. You're going and plundering from you know Notre Dame and and guys like Kevin Steele to come in and be your coordinators. I mean, something has changed at Alabama, and whether yeah. you know anyone wants to admit it or not, the depth isn't what it used to be. The attitude isn't what it used to be. Um, the, I do think it starts with the coaches. You have players, you know, coming out and saying, um, uh, coming out and, and critiquing the program on Twitter. Um, you know, last year you had, um, you had Alabama players saying, you know, this isn't the Bama standard. And like, you had these things being said, and I just don't think that that's, a, that's a situation and scenario that you can just make up, um, with, when you add to it the quarterback situation, you add to it, uh, you know, some of the skill players situation. I just think it's it's a very different Alabama team. I don't think that's the thing where you can just make up um, what you had previously. So, because um, there was a time when it was like, hey, you know, yeah, all right, well, let's just turn the clock. You give us an off season, and we're coming back, and we're raring back. And and you look at that, you looked at that room. And you were like, oh, shoot. You know, you looked and you were like, yeah, Alabama, you know, di didn't win the national championship in 2019, but they got Mac Jones. They got Devontae Smith. They got, you know, uh, Mechie. It's like you got the, you had these guys coming back that you were like, all right, they're going to be legit. Now it's like, who are you supposed to be scared of? You're supposed to be scared of Tyler Buckner, Jalen Monroe, Ty Thompson. Um, Jermaine Burton, um, Isaiah Bond, like who are like, <laughs> you know, who are the guys that you're like, oh, that dude, that's those are some dudes. I just don't see it, man. I see, I see a good team for sure. I mean, Alabama's always going to be uh, one of the top talent teams when you look, you know, in terms of talent composite, top ten, and all those things. And right. uh, but man, I just, I just don't, I just don't see it. Um, I don't see the attitude. So that's 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 what it, that's it for me. Fair enough. All right. Um, All my right. Uh, uh, my third, third hot take. Speech. Yeah, my final my final hot take um, uh, is uh, I think uh, USC misses the college football playoff. I don't know if this is much of a hot take because it's Lincoln Riley and it's only his second year, um, but uh, but I think I think USC misses the college football playoff um, uh, again, and um, and I think. You know, USC, even with Caleb Williams, I think USC takes a step back this year. Okay. Um, yeah. That's, that's interesting. I think the Pac-12 is going to be good, so I don't I don't dislike that. And they, they caught a break last year yeah. by dodging Oregon in the regular season. So, cool. yeah, I, I like it. Um, I am going to say my, my third I take is that Georgia faces either Texas or USC – in the first round of the college football playoff and that okay. uh, because Kirby smart dislikes the guys in charge of those two programs, mm. that they freaking leave a giant 
was. Like they were that team. I mean, I don't know. Up 65 in a playoff game, it'll feel that that level of dominance. It's going to just be friggin' ass working. If Georgia plays Texas in the college football playoff, I I fear for some for some young lads from that you know 2018 Sugar Bowl situation where you know Georgia had guys who were tweeting on social media and you know making fun you know saying basically making fun of Oklahoma because they felt like they should be in the playoff and then went out there and got beat by Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, Man, I just I think that will be. That would be a bloodletting if that ends up being the case. Totally. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, yeah. All right. couple yeah. other questions before we wrap up here. Uh, got one. So, any uh, kick slash 2023. Um, any, any surprises mm-hmm. back there? I don't think I don't know if there'll be any surprises. Um, I, mean, I think Mew, Dominic Love right? is going to get some. Yeah, Muse could would be the surprise. Uh, I mean, but how do you not? How do you see him? You know, he's got to be back there after. Surely this won't be. Yeah, surely this won't be a Jonathan Rump situation, will it? Oh, uh, God. How do you? <laughs> how do you see him making plays like that? And uh, and 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 Kirby talking about how he's embarrassed people on the scout team and all those things, and uh, not put him back there to return. Um, I will say the the one caveat I will say punt return. Um, I think Lad McConkey has that thing locked down. Um, I think Lad, you know, like he has enough game experience doing it um, that I think you're going to see him, and uh, and I think you're going to see guys like, uh, I mean, I think Dylan Bell was, was returning some kick returns last mm-hmm. year, but but Muse Muse, I mean, Muse is obviously the the hot trendy pick. I would say Dominic Lovett. Uh, would be a guy that I would see out there probably punt return a little bit too. Yeah, I think uh, he did at Missouri. Yeah, I, for sure. I think McConkie with like just his knees and stuff. Like I, I think maybe he gets a yeah, maybe gets a year off from punt returning. You know, like he was back okay, there a lot fair. last year. But you know, uh, Kyrus is gone too, and he was he was a big part mm-hmm. of the return game over the last few years. So it is a fair question of who you might see back there. Um, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be shocked to see uh, one of these young defensive backs either. Like, like, like maybe uh, an Everett or some like somebody like that. Um, I'm trying to think. I wish, I mean, it's never, it's never going to happen, but I wish, uh, you know, Malachi Starks ran kicks back when he was in, when he was in high school. That would be sweet. That would be. I would love that guy was a two way player in high school. Uh, Just an incredible athlete with a ball in his hands. Right. Uh, Would have definitely loved to see that if that if that would be a possibility. Have a little like Charles Woodson type vibe where you know if he throw he pull down like nine interceptions, have like a few special teams touchdowns on the year, maybe get some conversation for some big awards. Um, The other ones I'll throw in. Yazid Haynes or Anthony Evans. Both those dudes can absolutely fly two true freshman wide receivers. They, I mean, you're talking like maybe four two on a really good day, high four twos for one of those yeah. guys, definitely four three type guys. Um, wouldn't be surprised at all to see one or both of them take some, some kick and punt returns this year. Um, and last question. Uh, from June Recruiting Fearmonger, the best name on the Dog Central Forum. Uh, curious how you view Georgia's defensive line post G Day slash uh, Bear Alexander transfer. He says, uh, Kristen Miller and Jordan Hall looked really good, but both are so inexperienced. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't know that Bear is, is that experienced, right? I mean, you know, right. I think. I think people look – you look at it and you say um, – I, I, I'll say this. I think Bear Alexander is a super talented guy. Um, I think Georgia, you know, obviously you you want to keep as many of those guys as you can for depth. 
um, and you want guys that want to be there and you want guys that are good culture fits and all those things. What I will say about Bear Alexander, uh, though, that I'll say about, you know, Jordan Hall um, and some of those other guys, it's like Bear Alexander came in and he played as a true freshman, right? I mean, so so when you look at, you know, when you look at a guy like Jordan Hall, there's no reason why he couldn't play as a true freshman if Georgia needs him to play as a true freshman and if he's ready to go. Um, sure. And so I think Georgia, you know, I think we've we've learned right is that Georgia is going to play um, the best guys available and the guys who are ready. And you know, I think even if you look at Bear Alexander um, last year, I mean, he played 169 snaps, which was less than. Tyrone Dawkins, Warren Brinson, Tremel Walther, Zion Logue, Nazir Stackhouse. Like you got you got a lot of guys that are coming back that played a lot more snaps than Bear Alexander. So um so I think Georgia's defensive line is gonna be fine. I think where it potentially may hurt them and where a guy like Kristen Miller is going to have to really step up is Bear Alexander was probably the most athletic um, of the guys on that line. When you just think about just pure, you think about just pure athleticism, like he definitely is an athlete, Um, but I think Kristen Miller is too. And I think Jordan Hall has that potential as well. And so on third down, you're going to have to have a guy um, you're going to have to have Georgia has thrived with super athletic defensive linemen on third down on those interior defensive linemen on third down. Jalen Carter, Bear Alexander, um, Devontae Wyatt, like those guys who just – just pass rushing three Yeah, technique. just that pass – exactly. Yeah. So so I think you do – you know, I, I don't think, um, you know, Nazir Stackhouse, Warren Brinson – um, even Zion Logue, like I don't think those guys are that kind of player. So you got to find that player. I think it might be Kristen Miller. I think it might be um, uh, Tyron Ingram Dawkins, even though they play him outside sometimes a little bit. But um, but I think you got to find that player. Uh, but I don't – personally, the one position that I will never worry about until I am proven otherwise is defensive line. Georgia has enough depth. They rotate enough right. guys – it's like until somebody shows me otherwise, I'll never be concerned about that position. Um, uh, I'm with you on that. And Trey Scott, and Trey Scott, just dude's getting paid over a million dollars now. If that tells you, uh, yeah, dude deserves you. Yeah, if that absolutely you, deserves every cent of that. Yeah, if that tells you the state of the defensive line in Georgia, that's a that's a good good uh, bellwether. Yeah, I think for me. Um, the thing I would say about Bear, like, he he is an athletic guy, but he also – Georgia's got a lot of dudes like Bear already, mm-hmm. honestly. Like, like Warren Brinson is Bear Alexander a couple years older. Like, they're very yeah. similar players. Bear True. might be a tad bit more explosive, but, like mm-hmm. – you know what I mean by those types of guys? It's what you we were talking about a second ago. Like they've got a lot of three hundred ish pound three technique defensive tackles who are athletic and can rush the passer on third down. Um, and and Bear like may have been, uh, you know, I would I would have ranked Brinson or him as probably the the best pass rushing defensive tackle, but. If Georgia wants to get to the quarterback, they will get to the quarterback. There's a lot of ways that Georgia gets to the quarterback. And and the yeah. thing with Bear is like his his run defense and his gap filling and run mm-hmm. defense was not at a spot yet where he was ready to be a, a three down defensive lineman at the University of Georgia. Not with right. how they require those guys to play. Um I mean it took and, let's be let's be honest, right? It took Jalen Carter until his third year at Georgia to be a considered a three down defense line. And then he got injured and that kind of messed it up a little bit, but right. Like even Jalen Carter, you know, <laughs> it just, you have to be that dude if you're going to play three downs at the university of Georgia. Absolutely. And I think the, you know, the guy that I think is that dude this year mm-hmm. that no one knows is that dude yet is uh Tyron Ingram Dawkins. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. he is, like he's always had a little something different than what most guys in that room have, what most defensive linemen have. Like when he is on and really focused and in good shape, like he can make havoc happen 
from a lot of different spots on the defensive line. Um, and the other beauty about Georgia is that if they want to in third down packages, and I'm sure they will in certain third down packages, they can slide Michael Williams inside because at 260, mm-hmm. 270, he's big enough to go inside and they can put all the, the litany of pass rushing talent they have uh, on the edges into the game. And they can go a little bit lighter in the middle on, you know, third and eight. And then, you know, you've got a defensive or I'm sorry, an offensive guard or center that has to deal with the quickness of Michael Williams, but mm-hmm. he's still big enough to, to sit there and not be a liability yeah. and run. So there's plenty of options. And I, I think you said it well, you're, I would not worry about Georgia's defensive line or defensive line depth until someone gives me a reason to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like it. So that is all we have for today. Uh, closing thought. Uh, this will be kind of like our, our, you know, the, the, the moment of Zen for uh, the dog central show. Um, there's a, a tweet that got posted not long before we went on the air uh, by, by on three sports uh by their main account and it says at jd pickle uh who i guess is one of their video guys he's a, he's Al- a host of, of their college host. football show jd okay. pickle is the on three version of josh pate that's all you need to know gotcha okay he is uh okay he's on three pate state <laughs> so he has this quote to say on the alabama quarterback deliver it says what i was told about this situation as a whole with bringing in Tyler Buckner was that Alabama is looking for their Stetson Bennett. And I read this before I walked over to come onto the air with you and, Oh man, there are 17 layers to that tweet right there. And all of them are either deeply satisfying or uh, just a hundred percent hilarious. Uh, if you're a Georgia fan or a Georgia person, like dude, the, someone, the someone, that, you know, was old you know what and I two star and a bum. Now they yeah. got, now they're trying to find one of those. Is that well, what I heard? Really here? What I heard, Graham, is that Tommy Reese looked at the recruiting board and the depth chart board on his way out of Notre Dame, and uh, is is just trying to bring that to to Alabama. Um, I heard that you know Alabama um, is now trying to copy Georgia. First, they did it with the stadium lights with the LED. Now they're trying to copy Georgia with with the approach to the QB room. So just a lot of lot of lot of layers, but I mean you you tweeted it, you know, I think there are a lot of Alabama fans that are deleting a lot of tweets um, in hopes in hopes that Tyler Buckner becomes any semblance of what Stetson Bennett was. Um, a lot of tweets are getting deleted uh, after after this development. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I remember a time when Georgia hired Scott Cochran and uh, a guy, uh, Eric Evans, who uh, is a really good writer uh, for Alabama's SB Nation site. But he, he made this big headline about Big Lots Bama, uh, you know, making making a move, a coaching move in reference to Georgia. And we've come full circle to where, you know, Georgia's gone from being Big Lots Bama and now Alabama is Dollar General Georgia. Uh, so it's 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 quite a thing to witness. The circle of life uh, comes for us all. Absolutely. One hundred percent. And uh, here we are just, you know, basically witnessing uh, empires fall and rise in real time. Just Totally riveting and very glad to, to be here on the ride with you and all of our wonderful uh, Dog Central subscribers for this time in history. What a great time. What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. On that, we will see you guys later on this week. See ya.